0: You're listening to the Tyro Podcast, a space to help understand ourselves on a deeper level by learning and sharing from each other's spiritual and wellness practices. My name is Lucy, and I am so excited to be on this journey alongside you. I am so excited for this episode of the Tyro Podcast. Not only is my guest beautiful both inside and out, she is a talented skateboarder, singer, and activist. After leaving the Mormon church, she's redefined what spirituality means to her, and I can't wait to hear more about her journey and lessons learned in doing so. So welcome to the podcast, Jill. Thank you so much for wanting to be a part of this. (laughs) Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited um, to delve more into these things because I found your story really inspirational when I came across you a while ago now on Instagram. But I've Thank also you. had a look at your TikToks as well, which are great. So for those that don't know about the Mormon church, could you briefly explain what your spiritual beliefs were during your upbringing?
1: So the church is your entire identity because it's it's wrapped up in your entire story of who you're told you are and who you're to become. And so it's, it's, it's just every part of you, the church is. So you grow up in the church believing that all the people that are here on the earth are sent here to be tested and to become like God. And basically that this is like this kind of suffering and enduring period where you have to be tested. So the whole thing is about this life being a test and, and going through struggles and becoming, I guess, like, like God. And so for me, that was always very stressful because Mm. I felt a lot of pressure
0: So you were born into it, I
1: assume. Okay, and how old were
0: you when you left?
1: I'm 26 now, and I left around 22. Okay, well,
0: so when did you decide to leave? Like, what did that process look like?
1: It wasn't just a thing that started all of a sudden. It was definitely a process of feeling like there were things that were nudging me that I didn't feel were okay or didn't align with my beliefs or you know and so i initially started leaving just because i didn't really identify with the culture and i felt not super aligned with the people around me and there was a lot of judgment and most of the teachings are pretty rigid and it's it's a lot about obedience and fitting a mold so i initially kind of just left because i didn't feel like that aligned with how i wanted to live my life um and then over the past 4 years it's been me learning more things about the church that are actually factually kind of disturbing and just learning a lot of the things that I didn't know and then kind of unraveling that I was basically, I don't want to say tricked, but groomed. Mm. Very much groomed to live a certain type of life and to basically be in fear all the time. Mm. Um, And so for me, it, it was a mix of things, but I initially left because of just not feeling super good in the environment. And then as I took time away to be away from it and I did more studying and I, I learned more about it, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe some of these things were real and that some of these things were false that I was taught. And it's just been a learning experience for more and more that I come out of it.
0: Mm, yeah, so it wasn't like a cold turkey, not like a cold turkey leaving, but it didn't mm-hmm. seem as severe at the time of your leaving and then afterwards. Yeah.
1: For sure. I still had, I think, a little guilt when I left for a few years up until maybe like last year that I I still felt like the, kind of an allegiance to the church that even though I was like, okay, I left, I don't want to talk bad about it, though, because the church kind of served for me as like a family and a parent, basically, and I felt a lot of guilt, you know, and they teach you a lot of that to not talk badly about the church or anything that you had questions with, you know. Um, and to put it in a bad light. So it wasn't until maybe like a year ago that I started watching some documentaries and some of the series that have come out about Mormonism that kind of helped me zoom out and see myself more as the victim rather than trying to make the church feel better that I left, I guess, or make people feel comfortable with that. Now I kind of can see clearly what's going on. And so what was the
0: process of leaving? What did that look like?
1: It all, um, it happened as soon as I got home from my Mormon mission. When you're there, you're very plugged in. Like, you're only allowed to learn about the Mormon church from our sources. You're working every day, teaching it. Um, and it's it's everything you do. Like, you're not allowed to listen to music. You're not allowed to talk to people from home um, except for, like, once a week um, when you email them. And so when I came home, now that I wasn't enmeshed with... The church in every single aspect of my life you know i started having other friends and just kind of opening my mind and a lot of my concerns that i felt on the mission or just previously in my life they came back and i was like Mm -hmm. oh great (laughs) like my doubts are back or my questions are back um and because at this time i had the space not on a mission to look at it and to actually give myself i guess the permission to ask questions, then it just, it, it was just kind of like a steady trickle. I started first off just kind of not going to church and then realizing that I didn't feel super good around some of the Mormon friends or influences that I had. Um, and so I kind of describe it to other people as I was like kind of sobering up from the church. Mm. And so, like, the last few years since COVID happened, it I mean, as terrible of a thing that as that was, it gave me this beautiful time to just really go into a place just with myself and figure out what I think is true or not and to like cocoon in a way. And then again, be away from all these voices of people telling me what are, what I shouldn't believe or not. And so the past two years have been very, I guess two or three have been very important to me because it's the time that I kind of turned off all the white noise and just went within and listened to myself. Mm. It's been a process, yeah. Yeah,
0: I can imagine. On your TikTok, you talked about discovering safer groups out there. And that made me think, obviously, about how much skateboarding probably has been a big part of that process for you. So when did you get into skateboarding?
1: I got into skateboarding at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I had low... I know. Really it's pretty good, pretty cold. Thank you. <laughs> I lost both my jobs. And I I was at I went back home. I, at the time I was living in LA. And then I moved back to San Diego to just live with family and figure it out while we were quarantining. And I'd always wanted to learn. And I'd asked boys, a lot of boys in my life, and they all said no. <laughs> and so I finally was like, you know what? I think we can start skating. And I had the time. And so I skated alone for a while. And then online I found this presence of, one of the groups is Girl Swirl, and then another group now that I'm a part of is called Babes and Boards. And I found that there are these groups of women getting together that were skating at all different levels, but just getting together and having a good time. And I grew up pretty shy, but I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try it. And so I went to these groups starting in 2020, and I, I went alone. And from the first time on, like I made friends and people were really friendly. And I just felt like the environment was very safe and inclusive and no one was there to make you feel dumb or, or like you weren't good enough to be there. And it, it was such a stark contrast to how I felt in my community growing up in the church that I actually did believe the people around me wanted what was best for me. And the people around me now were encouraging and there wasn't like weird competition. I just was very much pure love that I found. Um, especially going to Girls Whirl, that group in San Diego, it was, you know, it's queer led and there's a lot of diversity in the group. And so it was really an amazing beginning for me to see, okay, I think I'm gonna be okay outside of the church because you know, they always taught you to be scared of everybody outside of the church and that they're not good and they're not safe and they don't, they don't have the truth and they're gonna influence you for bad. And since then, and getting involved with activism, I've only found the most beautiful people that I didn't even know that type of kindness existed.
0: Mm. That's so nice. So yeah, you think the skateboarding was obviously a massive impact on your journey and finding safety. At a time where you really needed it. Yeah. Another one of your talents that I mentioned in the intro is that you're also a fantastic singer and songwriter. Do you feel like this also assisted you on your journey and like how did you utilize it? Well, actually, the first question I want to ask is, were you singing, like were you always singing growing up or when did the singing kind of come to you?
1: I started, I guess I always was singing. Like there's videos of me when I was really little, just like kind of mumble singing around the house. And then I started taking piano really young, and you know, like four. And then... Once I got into middle school in sixth grade, I chose music and I did choir. And that was like the first time I think I ever felt validated that I was any good at it. Mm -hmm. And then I felt so much joy from doing it. And that was around the time of like original Taylor Swift. And so she was a huge inspiration to me. And then I went through, I would just write about, I started writing songs. Yeah, when I was maybe like 11 or so. Mm -hmm. And I felt not super confident in like other areas of my life, but that was my one strength that I always felt confident to show up in was my voice Hmm. and just kind of more so like the story I had to tell and the emotion, not just the singing. Yeah. It started pretty early. Yeah.
0: How do you feel like? Both music and, and skateboarding, skateboarding are like them. an outlet, I guess is the right way to phrase it, like an outlet mm-hmm. for those harder days.
1: I think it's interesting. You know, I've taken kind of a little break from music in the past few years and it, it kind of frustrated me for a while and sometimes still does that I'm like, why don't I feel as much energy to do this or not as inspired or as passionate as I used to be. But I think that skateboarding really took priority in my life in the past few years because it was a new passion. Um, and and I'm sure you know, you know, trauma stores in your body. And, and so exercise is a great way to release it. And I had never really been into anything specifically exercise-wise that I really felt passionate about. And so skateboarding is probably right now taking precedence for me of a tool to help with my mental health. That it's so freeing and it makes me so happy. And then obviously, you know, there's like endorphins and things from working out. But yeah, it's helped me build community. But you can do it anywhere. And, you know, I just put in my music and I skate, even if it's for like 15 minutes a day. And it just makes me feel like everything's going to be okay. And I feel very present. Now, I'm a person that always tries to like be super busy in my mind. And skateboarding helps me slow that down. Mm -hmm. And I think music does too. And so it's interesting right now, that I've had this break from music. And I think it's because I stopped really playing around the time I really started deconstructing from the church. And so I think at that time, I didn't know what to write yet, because I was experiencing the things that I'm going to write about now. Mm. And so the last few years have been like purely just experiencing and feeling and, and journaling and writing about how everything has been for me. I didn't totally know who I was or who I wanted to be yet. I was in that in-between period. So before I really felt like I knew who I was, you know, in the church I had a set identity, and then when I started leaving, it just everything, it kind of just <laughs> snowballed that it. It, it it turned my life upside down and I had to rebuild.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the way that you phrase it like that—deconstruct and reconstruct. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so now it feels more solid when I write these songs, um, and I haven't shared a lot of them yet, but they're—they're they're more reflective of how I've grown. Mm. A lot of my songs before, now that I listen to them, they were either just really young and they were like about boys at school, you know, and it was—it was light topics. And now I think I've been through a lot of heavier things and I've been through a lot of transformation and growth. And so now I'm working on finding my voice and my writing style as an adult mm-hmm. and as a person now who is not so sheltered and has more, you know, real topics that I've now experienced that I didn't I didn't before.
0: That's exciting though, so yeah. new things on the horizon. Totally. <laughs> So the next kind of chunk that I'd love to talk more about is how you kind of came to your beliefs now. Well, what are your spiritual beliefs now? Obviously you don't have to go too into it, but like how has that
1: changed? It's changed a lot. It's, I I like to think of it that like before my thoughts and my beliefs were very fear-based. And now my religion, I guess, like, it sounds like such a hippie thing to say, but my religion now is love, you know, of what I'm trying to become and what I want to believe in. Before I felt like I was very separate from God and that I was taught, you know, God is a father, God is a male, God is this all-knowing authority and he's to be feared. And so when I was leaving the church, I was just, I had a bad taste in my mouth because I felt like who I was taught God was was not very nice to me and and made my life really hard for the purpose of enduring and, you know, that God gives his hardest battles, his strongest soldiers. And I felt like most of my life felt like suffering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I felt a lot of guilt with religion. And I think I had good moments with it because I think any religion, you can find joy and, and happiness and love. But I think for me, being a child that was neglected a lot by my parents, the church filled in for where they dropped off. And so to me, it was more like that was the only connection I had to love or to my self-esteem or to a community. And so because now I've been leaving and I've found those things in myself and in other people, that no longer has like this power over me. It took me a little while. I had a few years where I just decided to not believe in anything Mm. because I felt angry and just not trusting of a higher power. And I'm still definitely building that trust now. But now I like to believe that I call it the universe or that my higher power is unconditionally loving and compassionate and wants the best for us. Um, And that I'm a big believer in the law of attraction and manifestation and just that your thoughts create your reality and that that force that you are wanting to draw upon is actually already within you. And I think that that's the biggest, one of the biggest changes for me from before till now is, you know, taking God off a pedestal and now seeing everything and me and God and everyone else all is just like one life force, you know, I, <laughs> coming out of Mormonism, i did, um magic mushrooms a couple of times and have definitely had really good experiences with psychedelics. And in all of those highs that I had and those experiences on them, I just felt so much love and I felt so much connection to people. And I, I felt all my shame and my embarrassment go away. I just felt warm and light. So I'm still figuring out what I believe now or but I, I've heard this. And I like to think of is that we are. The universe, just wanting to experience itself. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of the times in Mormonism, and even now into my spirituality, I find myself trying to solve a problem or to fix myself or to heal fully. Um, and right now I'm trying to just focus on being present and being mindful and just enjoying what life is versus trying to become something, to earn something, but just actually appreciating and enjoying who I am and where I am right now. Mm,
0: yeah, I guess it's that perfectionism tendencies really? and with the healing journey, I've had that a lot where I just want to skip the process and like there even is a process to be skipped. I found finding kind of that community on Instagram and um, the posts and people's experiences that they're sharing really helpful. Even yours, like just that the dips are really normal and it's never just like a steady upwards right right yeah hey guys I'm interrupting this episode to ask you to press the add button and the download if you could share this episode with just one person who you think might enjoy it it would help me so much thank you so what was your process in finding kind of this alternative belief system like what was the first things that you practiced
1: it took me a little bit I was just I was kind of lost, I think, because now, you know, I had a community and I had a set way of how to behave and how to act and what to believe. And Mm -hmm. then I didn't know what to totally do. And I'm very prone to depression and anxiety. Um, So I, you know, I feel like I just got swallowed whole for a while that I I was really depressed and probably the worst that I'd ever been because spirituality was always kind of my lifeline. Even though I feel like my Mormon spirituality was kind of like an abusive spirituality, it still had some good in it for me. And so it took me a while. And then I decided to move out of my home, which was adds to the depression and anxiety, just my family life. And this is maybe in 2019. And I moved out and I started to kind of feel like a spiritual nudge again And just kind of like the feeling that you are inherently spiritual and this is, if you want it to be a part of your life, it's definitely going to be here if you want it. So I, you know, I started, my first tattoo is this butterfly and that was the first time I really opened up to any higher power again is I would go on these walks for my mental health and I would see these butterflies. And I, I was like, I wonder what that means. And I looked it up and it was about, you know, death and rebirth and transformation. And I was like, interesting. Okay. And so I was skeptical. I wasn't sure. But everywhere I went, I would see these butterflies for weeks as I was starting to kind of open up. And, and that was to me, like, my religion at the time. I was like, okay, like, if I see a butterfly, that means that I'm taken care of and that something out there loves me. And, and I just started with that and I got a little more spiritual, just having friends that were kind of on that path and, and then realizing that I could also do it on my own terms. Mm. So, you know, once I started trying magic mushrooms and, you know, I started meditating and doing things that I was taught were not part of our religion or like not holy enough or like not reverent enough, you know, I, I was like, oh, well, maybe I can do spirituality kind of in. My own way and in my my own terms, and so I think I'm still very much building that trust with a higher power. But um, for me, like I know it's so dumb that like boys will make fun of it, but like you know angel numbers or like things like that. That's my that's my connection to a higher power because it's so we've been spiritually abused for so long that I almost feel like my higher power needs to earn my trust back a little bit, um, and so these breadcrumbs of of numbers and of animals and of synchronicities to me, like bring me a lot of light in my life and bring me a lot of hope. And so I feel like I've just now over the past few years been seeing it increase more and more. And then I guess being more and more comfortable with letting that light and that spirituality in again. You know, so I started Doing group meditations, or like I started going to a woman that did Reiki, and so it's been a lot of like observing and figuring out what I like or don't. Because I think at the beginning I felt like one of like the first times that I tripped on shrooms, I was like, oh, does this mean I have to be a Buddhist? <laughs> like, uh, like, there's more rules now. Like if this is what I believe, then I guess I have to belong to this. And then once I was sober and came out of it, I was like, no, like you don't have to. Do- you don't have to be subscribed to a religion to be spiritual, you know? And that was always what the church taught me was like, if you feel any of the goodness in life, like that's from us. So you have to do it with us. And so my spirituality against now is more so my connection with myself and what's most loving to myself and what feels best to my body. Mm. And yeah, I guess my new religion and my new like savior and my new hope and things has become myself, my me and my connection with my higher self. So you said the first steps
0: was the butterflies and so on. But what were the first things that you started practicing in terms of uh, like what are some activities that you first
1: started doing? Yeah, I know you said the group meditation. Mm-hmm. Meditation is huge for me and it has... It's turned into something that I didn't think it was. I, I feel like I have always been hesitant towards meditation because I have a hard time. I have ADHD. I have a hard time sitting still. Um, and, you know, I, I think you're always taught, like, sit up straight and, and breathe this way and think this way or don't do this, don't do that. But meditation more for me is the time to just sit and feel and feel whatever needs to come through or feel whatever I need to release. And so for me personally, like something that I'll do is I'll just like sit um, and sometimes I'll smoke a little bit that helps me and I'll, and I'll listen to music and I'll kind of listen for messages or things that I need to hear at that time or I'll, I'll journal, you know, or I'll try to think about my, my feelings a lot. And that's what I've been working on a lot with my therapist is moving through my feelings. So that's a big practice for me is sitting down and journaling and crying if I need to, um, and just feeling what I'm going through, I think has been huge for my spiritual practices, you know. And so I'll I'll do a lot of different things, you know, like I started to sage or I started to have incense in the home, and those are all nice, and those are all like little things that I do to bring my intention somewhere and to just continue the vibration that I want to be feeling. But I think the biggest thing for me has probably been, I guess, just trying to figure out how I actually feel and what I need and um, just coming home to myself. Mm -hmm. I always thought spirituality was like, you know, becoming this enlightened, all-knowing, like grandiose, super reverent, like Mm -mm. God. When in reality, I think that I feel the best when I'm just being authentic to myself because I think for me all these practices are ways for me to feel love. And so in my daily life I do a few things that I've been doing for a while now where like I have <laughs> I have like lotion and a couple of sprays and then I label affirmations on them. And so when I put them on like my lotions like I put on peace or I have another spray that's like I'm protected or like I am magnetic. And I put those on or, you know, in the morning, I'll put on an incense to just and then like think of my intention with it. And it helps me just use my senses. I think that's a big thing for me is using senses, you know, whether you're doing a meditation group or going to Reiki or feeling your feelings. It's like really just being mindful with what's already
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I've seen on your Instagram that you talked about the numbness in your body. And I suppose all of those things connect
1: with that. Totally. I think my nervous system just got almost like the memory was full. Like it was just too much stress, too many things. And I just got very avoidant. And and it was really hard for me to think about my feelings when that used to be my strength for a long time. You know, through my music, and through everything, was using my voice, feeling into my emotions. And it was honestly around the time when I was starting to find my spirituality, it was hard. That was like coming out of Mormonism. That was the first time I started to use substances. That was the first time I had sex. And so these were like major things for my body. And then I think I continued to use those um, as a way to get by. And I don't blame myself for that, but I feel like I just continue to feel more and more disconnected from my body. And I finally asked my therapist about it. And just kind of asked around and I was on birth control since the time I was maybe like 15 or 16 for my periods. And then I went off of it maybe like six months ago or so. And it was crazy how the feeling all came back into my body. So doing that and then I also, I took down my antidepressant a little bit and I just tried to find more natural things for things I was medicating for. And so now I can hold a lot more feeling in my body. And I built up my tolerance of uncomfortable feelings. And I worked with my therapist a lot of like how to be really loving towards myself and like, how to address those things. Sorry, I forget where the original question was. <laughs> Sometimes I do that. I get <laughs> rambling and I'm like, where did I start with this? I, I can't
0: remember either, actually. I was just so interested in what you <laughs> were saying
1: I was going on. There was so yeah. many good
0: there were so many good tips there though. <laughs> I really oh, want to I'm try bad. the motion
1: thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it's funny. My my guy friends came over the other day and that was the first time they've seen my apartment because they live on the other side of the island. And they were like, What is that? And I showed them and they're like Wow, I love that. That's so
0: good for you. That's really cute. Yeah, I really want to try that. That's really nice. I guess another thing I wanted to talk about um, was that you, again, I think this was probably a TikTok or somewhere, or maybe it was an Instagram post, either way. I noticed that you talk about bringing in more feminine energy and having been in the masculine for so long. Yeah. This is definitely something that I feel like I struggle with or struggled with growing up for sure. So yeah, I'd love to chat more about your journey with that.
1: Yeah. That's something I'm still very much in the process of and I'm like in the thick of it right now, but I'm, I'm hopeful. So I didn't really realize until, you know, I told you like in the last six months or so I, I now know how to read my body and I can understand my feelings or I hear my, what my inner self wants. Um, And Honestly, I guess in the last few months, I, the voice that I've been hearing for myself is like, I'm exhausted. Like, I want to be able to just be taken care of. Like, I want to feel hopeful. I want to dream big. I want to be in that feminine energy. And so I grew up, I guess, spending the most time with my older brother and with my dad. And then, and then my sister, too. But they're all very much in their masculine energy, which gets you far to a point, you know, with certain successes. And then the church has always kind of taught that, especially with my Mormon mission, I'm just like, work, work, work. And I'm still figuring out like I what the divine feminine is and what that feels like. And um, that's something that I'm having to practice like this trust of like, letting the universe show me what that is. And so recently, you know, I've been realizing through my feelings, like, I will sometimes overschedule myself, just because I'm like, Oh, well, I should I should work really hard and i'm overworking myself you know i'm really tired or i'm always trying to create things and i'm i'm not letting myself rest i'm not letting myself play um and so i've kind of just been taking a backseat, watching my emotions seeing what feels good and sometimes you are in your masculine energy and you create and you you know you grind for a little bit but then it's about the balance of then you rest you know, and so if I'm skating or if I'm creating TikToks or I'm doing something that is like work to me, which is still enjoyable, but it's it's work and it's creating, then afterwards I'll tell myself, like, Okay, go watch a show. <laughs> like yeah. as if as I'm my little kid, I'm like, go lay down, like or it's nap time, you need to take a rest. I guess the masculine energy for me is, you know, when I take control and I set boundaries or I stand up for myself. But I don't want to have to be in that all the time. I I don't want that to always be my default. I think that's my ultimate goal is to have a balance between the two because I know how to do the masculine very well, but I don't think that it's healthy or sustainable to want to be in one mode your entire life. Sure. yeah
0: you know? The yin and the yang.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amazing, I love that.
1: So how did you, again,
0: like I get from, I mean, our conversation so far and through your Instagram, you've really cultivated this self-love, especially, as I said, seeing your journey. I know that that was something that you really struggled with when you were younger. So how did you kind of begin that and what tips did you learn along the way?
1: Just, it took a little while. I think the first step for me was finding compassion for myself. I, I've always played the devil's advocate with myself I've been really hard on myself, you know, to always stay humble. And like, I'm, I don't know, like, I'm not good enough yet. And that's the inner perfectionist in me too. I know if I'm having a hard time being loving towards myself, I know that if I kind of take some time to be present and to hear myself out, whether it's through journaling, or sometimes I'll, I'll honestly just speak out loud to a voice memo or something. And I, I let myself be heard for how I'm actually feeling. Usually then the emotion comes through. And then all of a sudden I'm crying really hard or I'm, you know, I'm angry or really sad. And, and then in that moment, because I can feel it now, I look at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, this poor person, like they're hurting so much. This is so painful. They don't deserve that. Before I was scared to cry because if I brought it to my family, they'd be like, you're being too sensitive. And like, we don't know what to do with this. So it was rejected. And then if I brought it to myself, it was again rejected. Like, you need to be stronger. So I, for me, a big key was getting a therapist that was very loving and she's very sensitive. And she kind of taught me just through who she is, how gentle she is, that I kind of mirror her now. You know, she didn't say, this is what you should do. But a lot of times before... I had that love for myself. I'd just be like, "All right, well, what, what would Kendra say?" And I think friendships are a big part of that too. You know, I have a best friend that I met just this year, and her name's Betty. And I would, you know, before I could depend on my own voice to be loving, I would depend on others. You know, of what would they say? What would Betty say? How would they treat me? And I'll do certain things to show myself love, like I'll literally like put my arms around myself and I hug myself while I'm crying. I'll put my hands on my cheek. I'll listen to music that reflects the feelings that I'm feeling, and I let myself just have it. But then also just letting myself do things that are not so serious, and giving myself permission to to go skate or to go out with friends and go dancing, or to go to the beach and smoke a joint and listen to music and just be indulgent with the things that make me feel good. That was also, you know, recovering from an eating disorder. That's been a big thing for me. Is like I'm gonna order a slice of cake and and get that Uber Eats <laughs> and I'm going to treat myself and, and just doing things that are kind to myself. You know, even sometimes when I'm feeling depressed and I don't want to, you know, clean or do things for myself, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this because this is for my future self. Future self, yeah. yeah. Or if I don't feel like doing that then, then I'm like, you know what? You don't have to do this right now. You you can lay down. And just talking to myself, I guess the way that I wish that I was talked to as a child or I wish the way that my friends were. I feel like I was I was around a lot of people I didn't realize till I got older that weren't really nice to me. Mm. But because they were stuck around and, you know, they were kind of built in people in my life, I was just like, Oh, that's just how relationships work until then I met more people like my friend Betty and my therapist that are that felt so good in my body to be around and they felt so loving. It was almost hard for me to be around both those women at first because I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so, not cringy, but like it's so hard for me to accept so much kindness. Yeah. Like I almost looked at them like, are you for real? Yeah. Like, is that I've how that. you really are? <laughs> that, yeah. Because
0: there's know, like no trust for them at all. Yeah. It's yeah. like, why are you like this? Like, mm-hmm. are you joking? I used to always think kind people had an agenda. Like, I just yeah. didn't believe that they were just kind. <laughs> <love them>. Totally.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then you start to become like them. You're like, oh, this feels good to be mm. kind to myself. So a big part of my healing has just been connecting with my inner child. You know, I, I look at a lot of pictures of myself or just spend a lot of time in meditation just thinking about her and just thinking about her life. And just, again, the compassion of she deserved more and we can't change the past. But I I now am in control of taking care of her.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I was gonna ask you about your inner child practices. Um, that's definitely something that I'm on a journey with for sure. I find the same looking at videos. I have loads of home videos of me, so like looking at videos awesome. really helps. Those inner child meditations as well are really powerful. Like I remember the first one I did, I went into it just thinking like, mm, "We'll see how this goes," and I was yeah. like crying. You know what, I was crying. crying. <laughs>
1: I feel like, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I, I think that's how it's been for me is I didn't sometimes, you know, realize that she was there because I've been so, I have put myself on the back burner and put myself as not priority and, and learned to sacrifice my own needs. And then now that I'm feeling it, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's this person here that, you know, has these needs and or is feeling this hurt or feels this excitement and feels these things. And like, she is a part of, my journey because we're the same person. So my healing a lot has been like going back to those times, taking her hand and moving forward.
0: Mm, That's a nice way to think of that. I wanted to round off this section just talking about there was this really nice TikTok you had, which was about celebrating triumphant moments. Mm-hmm. And I guess that kind of goes into also the self-love. So what's the way that you like to do that?
1: For me, I have this with my therapist that I started doing this maybe like a month ago that I was like, hey, can we, before we start, can I tell you something I did this week that I actually felt really proud of? And she was like, yeah. And she's like, we can do this every week if you want. And so probably for the past month and a half or so, I've started out my session by doing that, which kind of just gives me time to celebrate and feel, I don't know, just feel proud. I don't think I ever stopped before to take time, to spend an amount of time to be present and feeling proud. Let me just relish in this for a minute because this happened. And, you know, my immediate thought is like, let's move to the next thing. Let's do more. But if you think about it, what you did today, you wouldn't have been able to do even maybe a year ago Mm -hmm. or something. I think, yeah, those those little moments. And so for someone, you know, if you're not in therapy, you know, you could just take time to just something nice for yourself, like get a little treat or something and be like, I did this and I should be really proud and just setting aside just some time to be present. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't cost anything to just be present with yourself and to, it's hard at first to talk to yourself that way when you have never talked to yourself that way, but to be like, you did a really good job. And my friend, Betty, I got this from her. I would see her, you know, she got, frustrated or whatever, she's like, it's okay, Betty. You got it. <laughs> like talking to herself. And I was like, wow, like look at her. Like I want to do that. And so sometimes I'll do that to myself if something's hard. And, and I heard something on TikTok that your brain doesn't recognize whether it's you or somebody else. Either way, if you hear your name and encouragement that it's going to feel good. Mm-hmm. So when I say to myself, you know, come on, Jill, come on, Jill, like when I'm working out or whatever, it feels the same as if I had a friend there saying that to me. So I think a big thing is using your voice and then just taking time to be present to feel that gratitude toward yourself.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to start using my name because I sometimes do that. I do affirmations kind of um, Mm. when I need it, but I always forget to leave out my name. So I'm going to do that in the future. Oh, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Love that. I just feel like there's been so many really good points of wisdom in this conversation, which I'm really excited to edit and look through. So to round it off, I usually ask, well, the first question is, what are your three favorite things to do when you're feeling off or disconnected to yourself?
1: Mm -hmm. I guess the first one is, if I'm feeling kind of off and I have the energy, then I'll go to be in nature and I'll spend time reading or just meditating or laying down or or whatever, just being somewhere, somewhere beautiful. The next thing I'll do is if I'm – this is what, what I'll do. If I'm feeling really mentally not good and sad or having a hard time, like I will spoil myself and I'll make – I've heard this before that, you know, you should take it as seriously as your physical health. So if you're having like a hard mental – day, you know, treat it as if you're sick. And so I just give myself permission to stay home all day to get cozy, to watch movies, to order food. And I just like, I take care of myself the way that I wish like a parent would, you know, when you're sick to just like make you feel better and comforted. And then the third thing, what would I do? Probably exercise. And I've never was a huge exercise person. So that's crazy for me to say that. But it, between skating and then going on walks are are big things for me. I love music. So, you know, it depends on the day, what I'm feeling, whatever type of music, but it kind of leads my walk and it just makes me feel confident. And it it just, it usually makes me feel better to go outside for a little bit and to go on a walk. And
0: The new question I've introduced for season two is what is the next thing that you are looking to develop, improve, or learn about?
1: I think for me right now, the thing that I'm a little scared of but I'm working towards is just owning, like, my highest potential. I think I've always been a little scared of success or becoming – I don't know what it is. I think maybe growing up where it wasn't affirmed, it was seen as a bad thing to be uber successful or to, I guess, be like thriving. And so I've always kind of like shied away from it. And so right now, one of the big things that I'm just breaking is is the energetic mindset that I have around money, you know, being bad but I really want to find a life where I feel abundant and where I feel safe to be in my best self. And I really feel like that's developing and I'm feeling that, I'm seeing that. But Mm. I think right now, like, you know, with my skating and with music and with even just TikTok and the internet and things, I think I'm ready to go to a higher level than I've ever been before, you know, of, of mastery and of collaborations and and just i'm ready to step into my best and be proud to own that mm-hmm. exciting things are around the corner oh, for thank sure you.
0: well thank you so much for coming on and thank you everyone for listening you can keep up to date with jill on instagram at jill Baylor. <laughs> and i'll link it below as well and you can also check out her music on spotify which i'll link in the description
1: thank you